Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. We're live. Rob, you're hot. Wow, that, that quick, Jackson. Okay, so welcome to uh, Because Money, and we're uh, happy to be here with special guest John Robertson, the holiest of holy potatoes from holypotato.net. Welcome, John. Hey, Rob. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Jackson. How are you guys? Good as always. You're doing awesome. Living the dream. So today, I thought we thought we'd have a fun discussion here about um, the value of uh, online advice or anonymous advice. So, uh, obviously, you know, we all write blogs, and uh, one soon to be book, or you already have a book in the queue, but uh, got another one on the way, John. And um, but online. You know, we've got anonymous users asking questions, you know, pretty detailed questions about uh, financial advice uh, in forums like Reddit or the Canadian Money Forum, all kinds of places on our blogs, uh, emailing us asking for asking for advice. And um, you know, how do you how do we take that? Uh, what kind of value is there in some of the answers on that you see on Reddit or on Canadian Money Forum? Um, because you know, personal finance it is. Personal, and if you don't have a lot of in, all the information about that particular person, how can you give um, you know constructive feedback on their questions? So, I thought I'd kick it over to Sandy to uh, maybe talk about some examples of uh, online anonymous advice, or what uh, what value do you see in it? Well, John has some good examples. I just wanted to preface it by saying John and I. Well, when we were planning this episode, I was making some rather derogatory remarks <laughs> about online or anonymous advice. And John kind of caught me up on it, <laughs> talking about that, I mean, it can be of value. And I had to spend some time thinking about it, because obviously we all, I mean, maybe with the exception of Jackson, I know we all hang around on the, uh, the Canadian personal finance um, Reddit subthread. And obviously if I'm giving advice, I have to think that there's some value in it, right? But I realized that the, what I think yeah. the value of the advice is, is that it's a starting point. So I, I, I think some people um, don't recognize it in that way, but um, they're worried about going to... A lot of the questions are like, you know, it, am I going to have to pay taxes on XYZ if I got back together with my girlfriend, and then we moved into a different house, and then we had four kids, and then we split up again? I mean, often the questions are quite complex, and it's hard to just answer just kind of by typing on your phone or whatever. But it's a good place to start to look for what the terms are, and look, here's an easy phone number to call, or can I encourage you just actually to talk to an accountant or whatever you can. So again, it's a good place to start, but if I could sum it all up before we even start the show, I would say it's only a place to start, and then you kind of have to dig deeper, right? <laughs> the end. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that... Um... I'm honestly shocked at how good anonymous advice online is. I mean, there are some bad examples, um, and it is, like, brief. So, I mean, that's the first thing that's going to happen when you're going with uh, anonymous advice online and trying to get someone to talk to you, is um, running into this problem of uh, too long, did not read, you know, like this. It's just, I tuned out, I couldn't <laughs> listen to your whole thing. It's... Um, it's just too much to try to put up your entire story there uh, in a, a post on a web forum and have someone actually read it without getting paid to read it and then provide personalized advice for you. So, you know, when we're talking about advice, we have to keep in mind that when we're talking about 
people talking about financial matters online, then we're talking about stick figures. We're not it's not a whole portrait of a person with details and freckles and you know individual hairs. It's a stick figure. And if you approach it that way, you probably get decent general advice, like Sandy says, as a starting point um, or generalization. But if you try to get really, really personalized advice, it tends that's where you tend to see the worst come out because it's really hard to do it that way. And the too long didn't read is a is a perfect example of even just in a regular conversation where someone has a, such a, a strong opinion before you even blurt out what your question is, they've they've got the answer for you um, <laughs> without even really understanding your situation uh, and, and it's black and white to them. And that's so often not the case. There's a lot of gray areas in personal finance and. That's why I find a lot of the answers on, on some of those forums to be um, you know, very black and white and, and possibly didn't read into the whole post or the whole question. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, you can, you can get a lot of that, especially where there's a lot of controversy around a particular issue and where people have really strong feelings about it. Um, like someone might come in and say, oh, how can I analyze the stock to be a dividend growth investor? And then you'll have six people jump on and say, no, 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 index investing is definitely the way to go. You're right. you know, not, anal not thinking about it right if you're trying to even become a dividend growth investor in the first place. Yeah, I find that a lot on the Canadian Money Forum. There's the division between the index investors and the, and the dividend investors. And any time a dividend investor or wannabe dividend investor will post something, they get you know the, the barrage of... What you don't shouldn't look at it just by the dividend blah blah blah, and uh, you know there's no real constructive uh, answers to his question I guess. <laughs> there's sometimes there's just not a lot of room for nuance sometimes and but obviously that's where some of the people who we've talked about in the past that stand out as people that give really good advice are the people that can give either really short succinct this is where you need to go to get that information kind of answers or tell us more and these are the five things that we need to know so that we can help you or very nuanced long kind of let's consider all the options and maybe kind of the background of what you're asking those people stand out I mean we were talking about it we made a joke about it but I have like a girl crush on one of the people that talks on reddit like anytime she says anything I'm like yeah just listen to her she's fantastic it's obviously not me <laughs> <laughs> now, how and so how many of these questions are you know just like throwing questions out, looking for like as that starting point, like you talked about, and how many, how much of it is like, I don't want to pay someone for this advice, so I'm going to ask the, I'm going to you know crowdsource the answer. Well, that's and, that's that's exactly what I wanted to ask there, Rob. I think I think you're nailing it. What is the profile of someone who's willing to ask questions anonymously online, and what is the profile of somebody who's willing to answer those? You know, do we trust the person that's asking them? Are they just cheap and looking for an easy answer? Or oh, and the people that are answering it, why are they answering it? Is it actually professionals who are looking to source new clients, or is it just people who think they know everything and want to pontificate? That would be my I don't know. I, I don't know. I would add a third person because I would say professionals looking to seek new business are often viewed with distrust. I mean, that's why I, I don't think I have ever one time even hinted at the fact that that's what I do professionally for the very same reason that I think a lot of those people are not trying to seek those professionals out, right? There's a lot of distrust. And 
sometimes it's warranted and other times it's not. It doesn't hurt you to go and start asking questions. You're not forced to buy anything. Even if you go to the bank, you know how much it hurts me to say that. Nobody's forcing, you don't have to pay a fee to go in. You could start asking questions and use your brain to assess the validity of what somebody's telling you and not make a decision when you're there. I think people are very unwilling to go to professionals like mortgage brokers, like financial planners, like investment salespeople because they worry that they're going to be sold to and don't know how to assess the information and feel like asking anonymously is safer in that way because of the level of distrust than going to one of those kinds of people. I know it seems weird and sort of, I don't know, offensive maybe, but do you know what, does it, that make sense? Am I off base, do you think? It makes sense, and I think a lot of those forums do discourage uh, that open solicitation of business. Like, you know, I'm not going to put in my signature that, you know, uh, the only planner or even links to your own blog if you're just kind of trolling for traffic. Um, You know, they really frown upon that. So I think there is kind of that, um, there is a trust of the community in that sense that they're going to get at least some, you know, ideas that they can go forward with rather than going in, kind of blind to that professional who then might sell them something that might not be in their best interests. But then you get the really bad stuff. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I think the other uh, type of person who goes online looking for advice is someone who isn't necessarily distrustful of um, bank-based or uh, for-profit-based advisors. It's just they don't want to bother someone. It's like, I just have a little question, and I don't really want to go and bother someone, and especially if, they, if they're still under the impression that uh, people at the bank work for free. Do you know what, though? And I, I think you hit on something else. I think some people don't realize the complexity of the question that they're asking sometimes. I think there's that general sense that, look, there's one right answer, and I can just, you know, if, if I can just say, hey, this is how old I am, how should I invest this money that I have? And someone, and, and there's one objective answer that everybody online knows, and they can just ask the question. And instead of asking Google, then, you know, whatever Reddit's going to tell them. And then it takes a while to understand that, you know, your own circumstances are about as complex as whatever your face is. Correct, freckles and all. Right. And that, that's a really good point about the, uh, the compli- or, you know, I think it's a simple question, so I'm going to ask you because I perceive you as an expert or whatever. If, they, if they're emailing, say, an individual blogger or, or author or asking, you know, asking a community that they trust, um, you know, just thinking it's a simple question. And I think that kind of leads me to someone like, is it Doug Grunchy? who does mm-hmm. the CPP, CPP expert, so, you know, ask yeah. me anything, but the CPP calculations are so complex and there's so many different scenarios, so he says, well, look, I'll run them for you, but it's going to cost a fee, and here's what that service looks like. And I remember another um, uh, expert in a particular niche subject trying to do the same thing because you'd get all kinds of questions about this particular topic, and they weren't just simple answers. You know, and so uh, some people I know, like the oblivious investor Mike Piper down in the states, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll turn he turned off comments on his blog, and he'll get a lot of emails on those questions, and he'll answer them and make a blog post out of it. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think some of those have even led to, you know, he writes short books. So, um, you know, kind of turning that, you, you, it's such a complex question that you, you know, a real expert shouldn't really be able to answer it in a brief. Um, kind of, you know, brief reply, so they've kind of turned that into a, a little niche service, and I wonder what kind of uptake there is from the consumers on that side of, of the equation. Have you guys seen 
that kind of willingness to pay for that, what you think is a small question or a simple question? I don't know. I would, if people don't know about Doug Runge, they should, I, I would pay, I mean, I have paid him for other clients. Like, he's, that is, it's not a simple question. I mean, it's a complex calculation that he does, but the, his accuracy and his fee is so relatively small. I mean, if you're approaching, you know, 60 and you're thinking I'm going to retire early or, you know, child rearing dropout or whatever, you, I mean, you should just pay the money and go talk to him. There's the plug for Doug Runge. <laughs> So, John, you said you had found some kind of bad examples of some anonymous advice or some anonymous questions. Can you share them with us? Yeah, so I, I brought up a couple. Um, so the first one is kind of uh, over here, if I bring it up, is a little bit of a specific example of a more general issue, uh, which is where the advice is just plain wrong. Like, it, it's maybe close, but they got the details wrong. Um, so, and sometimes these people can be very adamant in their opinions about where they're wrong. So I'll get to one example where someone was really adamant about it and they were wrong. But uh, in this one, that I'm not sure if it's yeah, high enough resolution small. to see over the YouTube, but yeah. someone is just basically asking, when do I start using my RRSP? I'm thinking of buying a house. Someone says... You know, go ahead. Use the first-time home buyer's plan. This allows you to pull out to fifteen thousand dollars penalty-free, uh, and it will be doubling your money. And it's like, well, no, that's that's not how the home buyer's plan works. It's a, sort of, almost, but the numbers are really wrong. It's twenty-five thousand dollars, and it's not anywhere close to doubling. So. Yeah, no. that's one kind of example where <laughs> <laughs> that's that's irking me because I'm a mortgage broker and I would say that a third of my clients use the home buyer's plan and yeah, it's twenty five thousand for an individual, fifty thousand for a couple. Now to double your money, uh, I've heard it's a strategy that people will take their savings put it into the RSP, wait the 90-day grace period to get the tax benefit and put it out. So I guess if you're at a 45% tax bracket, you can get the benefit of getting the RSP, but you still have to pay it back. You're not doubling your money. I mean, that's yeah, I mean even if you're at a 50% tax bracket, you're getting 50% back, in, and that's if you're assuming that this is a total benefit to you and not uh, considering that eventually you are going to have to pay that back. Um, it's, so it's a good not, example. Yeah, a good example. Did he get downvoted, John? Uh, actually, he's still at a positive. When I took the screenshot, he's still yeah. at positive two points. If you're not familiar with how Reddit works, people will up and downvote posts, and often in the personal finance section, people will downvote posts that are inaccurate, which is kind of a tag. If you see a post that's got a lot of negative points to it, that might be advice yeah. that others have come along and seen as inaccurate, and often they'll fix it. The community is actually pretty good at self-policing and self-correcting, but uh, it takes time for that to happen. So if you post a question, you get a response two hours later, and then you run with that. You know, two days later, someone might come along and correct it, but it might be too late for whoever's read that post in the meantime. Uh, so another case where someone was you know, really adamant about something that just wasn't correct was um, a discussion about index investing using TD's E-Series, which are a very popular option for index investors who want to go with a low-fee, fairly easy-to-use mutual fund. And there are no commission costs to buy and sell 
TDE series, either through TD Mutual Funds or through TD Direct Investing slash Waterhouse. And this one guy was just adamant, no, in Waterhouse you have to pay a $29 fee or $9.99 fee depending on how much you have and your accounts, and everyone's just going, no, that's not right. And he linked to an email that he got from a rep, and it just turns out the rep sent him wrong information when he sent a query, but he's never actually tried it himself, and the vast majority of the community is saying, no, this is wrong, and he's just continuing, like, thread after thread, he'll jump in and say, no, 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 TD charges you a commission to buy and sell E-Series. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John, that's a very good segue into something else that we wanted to talk about with you. <laughs> Which is, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, we know that you had an older book, so why don't you tell yes. us a little bit about your new book? All right, well, um, let's go over to the cover here. So this is the new book, The Value of Simple, and basically what it is is a book that I've put together about how to become an index investor, because that's something I'm finding that's missing in the marketplace, is I can send people to blogs to a whole bunch of books in the library explaining why you should become an index investor. There's great information out there about why this is, in some books they say it's the only strategy you should follow and provide lots of proof for why trying to be an active manager just will not work. Uh, but even if you take the weaker view of that, for someone who doesn't really know what they're trying to do, who doesn't have the patience to analyze a balance sheet and uh, really dig into kind of Benjamin Graham type investing or uh, some of these other investing styles that require a lot of time and effort and expertise, index investing is a great way to go to save fees, you know, avoid paying all those bank fees for advice that you're not getting, uh, and it's very, very easy to do. The problem is none of these books actually tell you how to do it. The best that they've done so far have been the books that came out around 2011, The Millionaire Teacher and uh, Money Sense Guide to the Perfect Portfolio. And even then, they're very weak on the how. They're like, go to TD, go to some of these other brokers, buy some of these index funds, and just even mentioning which index funds are available in Canada for Canadians was like revolutionary. So this book is all about the hows. It's how do you set up an account, how do you buy, how do you create an asset allocation so that you can split it up you know, what all these terms mean, and it's trying to make it very friendly for people who aren't experts in this field, so if they can pick it up, read through it, and actually get started on their own, or if they don't want to get started on their own, at least they know what's involved in doing that part of it, so that if they're paying someone else to do it for them, they know what value they're getting there. And so that's One the thing I thought was interesting, John, was that uh, you, uh, so you mentioned some of those books that came out in 2011, and a lot has changed in the landscape, like, you know, Vanguard has come to Canada, and fees have dropped and whatnot, and I like that. Maybe talk a little bit about that uh, placeholder you're going to have online that will be continually updating, um, you know, how to do these things. If links are broken, we're, we're fixing that, and, and kind of that real go-to resource that I think is missing in the marketplace. Well, I wouldn't say it's completely missing. I mean, uh, a number of the blogs do provide this information, uh, and so if you follow kind of any of the uh, financial... Uh, personal finance blogs that focus on index investing, in particular uh, Dan Bordelotti's, I hope I didn't mispronounce his name, uh, Canadian Couch Potato blog, he'll update with a lot of this. Uh, my one issue with the Couch Potato blog is he really gets into the fine nitty-gritty that can scare some people off, and that's another thing I've tried to focus on is to help build up your confidence. Like This isn't that hard if you just want to get going and invest for yourself. Um, so what I've done on my site is created an errata section because um, 
things will change after a book is sort of locked down. Uh, and that happened last time. So my previous book was a much shorter, smaller book, just a little itty-bitty electronic-only thing. If it had been printed out into book form, it would have only been about 40 pages. And all it did was tell you how to invest in TDE series. It didn't go into some of these planning issues or tax optimization or even the other options with Tangerine and using ETFs on kind of either side of the E-series. It was just E-series, just really focused on that. And shortly after I published it, um, Scotia iTrade and a couple other brokers, eventually Quest Trade, came out with free-to-buy ETFs. And, of course, one of the big reasons for going with TDE series was you didn't have to pay commission costs. Well, now that's not quite a concern. I think it's still a good reason for other things that I get a good option for other reasons that I get into in the book. Uh, but you know, pretty much as soon as I hit publish, things changed. And things are going to continue to change like that. And uh, so I just wanted, I reserved a spot on my website where you can go and find out what's updated since the book was published so you can follow along with any changes. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic idea. So when, when is this uh, hitting the shelves, John? Uh, so I set it for December 1st release date. You can already pre-order it through my site. It's not available through uh, Amazon or Kobo. Uh, or Indigo yet. Um, I'm not even 100% sure it's going to be listed in Indigo because that's kind of an option whether to take it up. I know it will be listed in Amazon and Kobo, uh, and it should be available for pre-order there uh, more towards mid-November. And then, of course, December 1st, they should have it for sure. And you have a spot on your website where people can pre-order. Yeah, so right. they can pre-order today if they want through my website directly, uh, and then in a few more weeks through the retail partners. That's pretty fantastic. So okay, so let's go back. Let sorry, let's go back one step. Back to anonymous. Back to anonymous for yes. a minute. So we had some specific examples. Can you think, or anecdotally, Rob or Jackson? Can anybody? Can you come up with like the very worst question you can think of to ask anonymously, or or not anonymously? For people to answer anonymously. Sure, for people to answer anonymously. I don't know. I think I saw one. I saw one on Facebook of someone that needed to make two hundred dollars, uh, like by Wednesday, and uh, the, some of the advice she was getting was uh, um, not really constructive. I don't think. <laughs> oh dear. I saw one very similar on Reddit actually a little while ago. I really need to make a lot of money very soon. Very soon. And I need legitimate options. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the, like, there's a lot of kind of hit-and-run questions. I don't really know what they're expecting to get out of it, especially with some of those type of questions. Like, you know, I think one of the answers to that one was, you know, move to Alberta and get a job in the, in the old sands. And, you know, like, <laughs> without, like it's, it goes back to what we are saying. Like, if you don't know the whole situation, how... Can you give any sort of advice on uh, something like life changing like that? <laughs> are we are we just going to tell silly stories for the next five minutes? Sure. You had to have heard a bad one, Sandy. No, I've never heard a bad one. Yes, I have. No, the ones that I see all the time are like are like. Um, I'm 27. This is how much I spend on food, and this is how much I spend on gas. Can somebody tell me if that's okay? Okay. Right. I, I don't really, I don't understand really why you'd ask that question to the internet. 
Yeah, like what's the point of the, you know, I spend $300 a, a month on groceries. Is that okay or where does that fit into, you know, the average or whatever? Like it like it's so arbitrary. Nobody ever asks and, like and, how many kids do you have? Well, no, I like, I don't know. I, I just don't see any like. Okay, well, I spend four hundred. Well, okay, well, where are you shopping? You know, I just don't. I don't. It has no whatever you're you're spending on. It has no bearing on on my family life or, or even how I categorize in my budget what groceries is. You know, to me, groceries includes, you know, toilet paper and stuff you'd buy at the grocery store because I'm not going to break down my whole bill. You know, so yeah, okay, my bill is a little bit higher. Hmm. Anonymous advice. That's an interesting one. Is this me? Uh, is somebody not wearing headphones? Because I'm getting a lot of echo. Is that you, Rob? No, I'm wearing headphones. Weird. Maybe it's me. Anyways, uh, no. I, my problem is, is when you Google search a question and you take the top response, you find somebody. How do you know that that information is accurate? You know, I think online, I think online, it's really difficult to to figure out what is good information. Really, for me, like when, for example, I know this isn't finance based, but but if we're looking for an apartment and we don't know the area, we go, we look. It's a different landscape in a week. It's a different landscape in a month. So I think finding somewhere online that you're familiar with is very important. So you're talking about a thread. You know, Sandy, you've got a girl crush on somebody. It's because you've got the familiarity. So I think if you want to avoid the, if you want to avoid the bad advice, it's build familiarity with somebody somewhere or some kind of community. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it does. And the Google search one is uh, drives me nuts, too, because um, I know a lot of bloggers, it's a very, um, it's kind of a tricky thing, I think, but they, you can remove the post, or the, uh, the date the article was posted from appearing in the little Google snippet or whatever. So I could have wrote the, some article in 2010. There's no relevance whatsoever and uh, say it ranks in the top on the top page of Google and somebody hits hits on that and you know kind of acts on that advice you know I think that's uh, that, that's really bad yeah um, I think it's really important to come in with at least a little bit of knowledge because that's where you tend to get the worst um, understanding like even if someone gives you good advice, you might not be able to do anything with it if you don't understand what you're coming in with. And it also makes kind of some of the silliest questions. Like someone will come in and say, I want to invest in something. I'd be happy with a 15, maybe 20% return, and I want no risk. And then you try to say that's that's not in the remotely realistic, but if they don't have the knowledge to know that, like if all they know of what an approximate return is just from Toronto billboard condo ads claiming, you know, ridiculous 20% returns, then uh, then they don't have a basis for when someone says, oh, well, you know, if you invest this way, you have a chance of losing 50% of your money, and over the long term, you'll probably make 5 or 6%, and they go, that's insane, what are you talking about? I, that makes my stomach royal, that's too risky for me and not enough return, and you go, well, that's that's what it is. I appear to be the only one unmuted, so I'll just keep talking. Uh, so another uh, issue is when there are conflicting uh, uh, 
issues with different posters' values. Uh, so some people will come on and say, should I save up 20% for a home, or should I use uh, the home buyer's plan, or should I use CMHC insurance to buy as soon as possible? And then you get a, just a big spray of information from different posters, because some people believe that uh, that 20% is sacred, that you have to invest with that, and or to buy a house with that. Some people think, oh, no, buy as soon as you can. That's what CMHC is there for. So, you, you know, if you can even wrangle 0% down by borrowing a down payment, then do that. And so you get this big mix, and it's really hard to, you know, work from that. Um, I was going to say a big one that I've seen all the time is the uh, the short-term savings. So I'm saving for a house, and, um, you know, I want to buy in a year or two, and I've got, you know, $20,000, $50,000. Where do I park it? Where I don't just earn one or two percent interest, yeah. And well, the answer is you you can't really, you know. So I w they want to put it into some, just like you said, you know, I want to put it in something where I can get some growth out of it, uh, but I don't want any risk. And sorry, that doesn't exist. Um, you know, the best option is some kind of high interest, you know, savings account. But a lot of people don't want to hear that, and it's probably one of the more common questions I think on uh, on a site like Reddit. Where yeah, see, and, and then of course the problem is someone will come in and have the point of view that you know, this other thing is a really safe way to do it, so go do that. Uh, like, I might not know to the risks involved there that they didn't state. Like, for instance, second mortgages. Oh, you know, just go and invest in private second mortgages. I make 8% on that, and it's totally guaranteed by the person taking out a second mortgage. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that. There's Sandy. <laughs> I'm just laughing at Jackson. He's just about to explode. Yeah, about Oh, second mortgages. Second wow. Mortgages. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We get we get we get we get we get approached all the time as mortgage brokers to you know invest in mix mortgage investment corps and yeah they just paint the picture like this is the world's best thing ever no problems nobody ever loses money and I can tell you from experience how many people call and say I'm foreclosing on both my mortgages <laughs> it's just like whoa no avoid avoid the second mortgages but man did they paint the nice pictures anyways that, yeah, I, yeah, or the uh, I've done it twice, and it's never I've you know <laughs> no one's ever defaulted on me, so so you're fine. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, there we go. I think that's it. Anybody else have anything to add? No parting so wisdom. Are we are we going to sum this up? Do we trust online advice? Do we not trust online advice? John, I like your point. You know, sure. find someone find someone you do trust or find a, a source or a couple that you do if you are kind of looking to bounce ideas off of um, you know find those experts that you do you know I, I agree with this line of thinking um, you know but even that can be dangerous too you, know, you don't want to just go there for confirmation of, of what you think you want you, know, you want to get a couple of different opinions so I like what Sandy said at the start it's a starting point um, don't just go hit and run advice looking for you know some kind of quick fix because you're not going to find it in the Reddit or Canadian Money Forum or whatever. Um, you know, just do a lot of research and and make your own decisions. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You got to start with research yourself. You got to put the work in yourself because uh, when you go to these forums, all you can present is that stick figure. So you got to make sure yourself that that stick figure is accurate and that you can deal with the information that you get based on that stick figure. Uh, and that 
you know, you're going to have to vet it yourself because a lot of it's really good. I'm really impressed and really touched that a lot of people who are knowledgeable put the time in, but there is also a lot of bad advice. So, unfortunately, it's buyer beware, although it's free advice, or reader beware of uh, what's out there. It's up to you to do the homework. I think that's good. I like it. Sandy, you got to say something intelligent, then I'm going to stop the broadcast. Oh, good Lord. We'll be waiting a while. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.